Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 476 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I am in our office today for a rare time. Um, Also, we talked about how in our mind it's basically October and spooky season, and today it's like very gloomy outside. It's like the weather knows that that's what we want to do. It is. It is indeed. I got caught in the rain going out for my groceries a little bit before this, so that was not fun, but it's all right. Are you doing the um, Instacart type of a situation? No, I go to the grocery store. Gotcha. Yeah, I I do too, because I got really tired of like, we always, anytime we do anything like those things, we try to tip really well, but then there's also like the fee on Instacart, and I was like, man, we're paying like a bunch more money than our groceries are for this. Well, for a while I was doing the pickup at Giant Eagle, so I would like put in my order and then go get it. Yeah. But inevitably... I would have to go back the next day because they didn't have things and they didn't sub for them. And so I'm like, why am I doing this if I just have to go to the grocery store anyway? Like, and I go to, and like, I've found a time where there's like nobody in the store Mm -hmm. um, and I can get in and out pretty quickly. So we'll get into books in a second, but I've also noticed, I don't know if you have, like, I totally get like toiletries and cleaning products being unavailable at a lot of places, but I've found that there's a lot of random groceries that just sometimes won't be there. Like, just randomly there'll be like no pickles one week and then sometimes they'll just be like no goldfish crackers or like no yellow fudge cookies and like yes it's not inconveniencing me at all but it's like weird the things that just randomly aren't there yeah no it's very weird and yeah there's not much rhyme or reason to it doesn't seem to be um do you want to tell people what we're doing today pretty straightforward (laughs) Yeah, so um, you slacked me this morning. We're like, it's Wednesday. <laughs> and <laughs> we need an episode. And spoiler alert, we're not... Sometimes we're good about planning things. Other times, not so much. Okay. So we're basically just going to talk about books that we have read recently. Mostly because I missed the one we, you did a couple weeks ago. Um, so I actually have several books to talk about. Which is great. Um, yeah, because I usually don't. So well, that, that wasn't me sassing. That was me being like, this is going to be a, a mostly a Jill forward episode. Because that's fine. A lot of my books that I'm reading or have been reading are for um, upcoming interviews, which I'll like touch on briefly because they're great. Um, but it doesn't make much sense for me to be like, here's a 10 minute diatribe about a book you're going to hear a 40 minute conversation about. Um, also, for those of you who don't follow us on Instagram, you should or Twitter, but this is specifically Instagram, um, because we don't do a ton of stuff on there, but like every once in a while, Jill makes an incredible graphic. I, You are so much better at these than me, and you put together a fall in love with reading book bingo one, and I love it so much. Um, also, if you go to professionalbooknews.com, I put it like on front and center, we have a slider of images and stuff that if you just go to our website and I put it like front and center. So, cause we'll always, anytime we talk about one of these people inevitably are like, where can I get the image? Um, so it's on professionalbookers.com and it's also in our highlights. So mm-hmm. I might do some book recommendations based on the bingo. Cause I don't have as many as you, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the bingo is like September, October, November related things. And there will probably be more similar ones. Yeah. Adam does like most of our social media. And then I'm like, I'm like, here's some fun graphic things. That's what I do. <laughs> so yeah. I contribute if, graphics. If there's ever 
like a picture, it's probably me. But if there's ever a graphic and you're like, wow, that's a really good looking graphic. It was Joe 100%. Of the time. That sounds accurate. That sounds accurate. Um, yeah. Okay. So if people want to get a hold of us again, you can go to professionalbooknerds.com or at probooknerds on Twitter and Instagram. Since I said you should follow us, I should probably tell you what the handle is. Um, if you want some more book recommendations, just email us, professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. And I'll put all the books in the show notes that we talk about. I'm going to let you start since I'm almost positive you have more than me. I do. Okay. I'm trying to figure out, oh my gosh, should I not talk about this in our September book episode? <gasps> this was a very missed, I don't know how I didn't talk about this book. Okay. Well, a book I should have talked about last week and clearly did not um, <laughs> because it comes out in September and I don't know how I missed it is um, Grown by Tiffany D. Jackson. I did not talk about this. Wow. No, you didn't. I don't think. I don't know what happened. Okay. Well, clearly I I'm, I'm not sure what happened there. That is an error. Um, so I've talked about Tiffany D. Jackson on the fu- uh, podcast before. Oh my God, I cannot talk because I'm all just like, <laughs> what happened? Um, she wrote the book. Allegedly, she wrote Monday's Not Coming. She writes YA books that, um, they're sort of thrillers or she sort of sets it up. She sort of They've twists. They've twists is probably the best way. They're not necessarily thriller thrillers. They have twists that come out um, where you're sort of presented with one thing. And at some point in the book, she kind of turns it on its head in a way you weren't expecting. So Grown um, is her latest one. And this is about a uh, teenage girl who um, wants to be a, a singer um, her name is Enchanted, and at an audition for a um, musical-related thing, she meets uh, R&B artist Corey Fields, who is, you know, within the the universe of this world, um, he's like a very, very big name. He's an adult. Um, I think he's in his twenties. I don't remember if they actually give his age, um, but like mid twenties, maybe early thirties and um, enchanted is a, she's in high school still. Um, and he starts, you know, he's, he hears her saying he gives her his phone number and is like, Hey, I can like hook you up with make connections. We can get like an album, blah, blah, blah. Um, and as their relationship progresses, he ends up like taking her on tour with him and it gets very intense um, in a really negative, bad way. Um, I, you know, like we had um, Allison Wood on the podcast talking about being Lolita. This is sort of that similar type of story with an older male mentor type who um, is grooming a young girl. And um, it was so good. I, I love all of Tiffany's books. Um, and I, I think I read this in like a day <laughs> and I think yeah. it was one of those books where people were telling me that once you start it, it's really hard to stop. Um, and that is a hundred percent true. All of her books are like that, but, um, yeah, I, I really, I really loved this. And again, I'm surprised I, this did not pop up in my September. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. So <laughs> Listen, as an addendum, <laughs> yeah. as an addendum to our September episode, <laughs> It has a really fantastic cover. The cover is, um, it's yellow and it's a profile of 
a uh, a black teenager and she's got like those big gold earrings you oh. know with the words yeah, that um, is a good cover. I'm looking at it right now. It is a very good cover, yeah. So she's got those, like, the big gold earrings and grown, um, the title is in script as part of the earrings. Well, listen, I also owe an apology to an incredible author because Even If We Break by Marika Nikom came out also, comes out also in September. Um, how did we miss these books? Okay, so I don't... I know how I missed this book. Oh, actually, I, I can, I, I, you know what? I can probably come up with why we, we missed these, but continue. So I got my copy of Marika's new book, Even If We Break, back in January at ALA Midwinter, which impossibly was in this year as well. I don't know how, because it was 16 years ago. Um, but I got it so long ago and read it so long ago that it didn't slip my mind when we were doing our September books. And I'm actually glad that we had a chance to do this at your suggestion because then I can talk about it um, now that it's gonna be out in two weeks. So also speaking of awesome covers, even if we break has an amazing cover. It has like five um, porcelain masks um, and they're all different. And one of them is cracked and it's just, it's a very striking cover. But uh, so there are five friends who go to a cabin uh, and they're all teenagers and they all have just incredibly awesome, diverse backgrounds. There's um, people who I, I, I think I'm getting this correct. It's been a long time since I read it, but I believe one of them um, has autism and one of them is, I think, pansexual and uh, at least one is uh, gender non-binary. But it's just an amazingly diverse group of friends and they go to this cabin and they are going because they want to get together to play this um, kind of role-playing game, like dice-based game that they used to play that's very kind of similar to Dungeons and Dragons. If you follow Marika online, you know that she's a huge gamer. Uh, so yeah, she's part of like a group of a whole bunch of other YA writers <laughs> who virtually played D&D. There are several of these. When I, had Mar when I talked to Margaret Ona a couple weeks ago, she also, she has a podcast about playing Dungeons and Dragons, and Marika is a part of another group of YA. I'm just like, how much fun must being a role, like playing in a role-playing game with YA authors be? It just has yes. to be amazing. Um, so five friends go to this cabin, playing this role-playing game together. Um, four of the five are hiding really big secrets. Um, three, there's like, they have three years of history. This is kind of how like the book is described in the, in the, on the back of it. Um, at least two of them are doomed from the start and one of them wants all of this to end. Um, it's very, it's almost like a young adult uh, queer role-playing Agatha Christie type of a book. It's just, it's so fun. It's amazing. I love obviously everything that, uh, that they write, but just, yeah, even if we break also missed it, it comes out in I think two weeks from now. So that's also a September book. Remember when we said during the September thing, it's like the biggest release month ever. <clears throat> we were continuing to be right. I think that's how I, I missed this. And I missed grown, I think, because I saw on Twitter, I don't know how accurate this is. It was a writer or somebody in the publishing industry said that there were like a thousand books being published this month. And it's because so many of them were supposed to come out in spring and summer, mm -hmm. but then because of COVID, they pushed them to September. Um, and so they are like all coming out. And when we, at least I know for me, when I do, you know, searches for books for the podcast, I go into our overdrive thing and start looking and I try not to pick ones that are like, you don't need me to tell you about, yeah, like the the really big, you know what I mean? Like we don't Whatever, need to talk about yeah. 
we're never going to promote like a James Patterson. Correct. Or, a or like a Danielle Steele. Like you yeah. don't need to know about those. You probably are already aware. But so we talk about the other ones, but there, there's so many pages to go through that. I think I just, with so many books coming out, they just, yeah. it just did not make it on my list. So it's a yeah. lot of books coming out this month, y'all, just as a. Yeah. Hopefully all of the people who listened to our September one already will also listen to this to get these additional September books because as I told Joe yesterday, a ton of people have already listened to that, which is great. But I hope they also listen to our other episodes so they hear these other great September books. Yeah, for sure. I'll shut up. Talk about your next book. Go, go for it. Okay, my next book is um, We're Gonna Go With Slay by Brittany Morris. This is sort of um, in sort of like, um, how does it I can't remember how it gets compared. I think it's like a Ready Player One meets The Hate You Give is probably so good. how um, Anna and Kimberly mentioned it in when we did the interview with with uh, Gilly and Kimberly. She mentioned this book and I was reading it at the time. So um, this is about a teenage girl reading a lot of white apparently, um, <laughs> which is fine. I'm not complaining. Um who has created a virtual world and it's like a game um aimed at uh black folks it's it uses sort of um real life people it's a card game it's it's like magic the gathering if you know magic the gathering there's like cards and each card does something um and you sort of react you know virtually um there are cards based on icons within black culture um like people, um, there's like food related things. There's um, like music, all sorts of things. It's it's a game based around black culture and it's for black players. And everyone um, goes into this virtual world that she's created and adopts identities. And you sort of, you know, you, you fight using these cards um, and people there's a little bit of like war cross too, because other people can watch these big um, tournaments and fights that are happening between um, players. So nobody knows that she is um, the creator of this world. She sort of is like done it on the side and keeps it secret, uh, mostly because she doesn't think her family will truly understand. And then in the real world, outside of the game, um, a young uh, a teenage um, black boy is murdered because of drama that happened related to the game. Mm-hmm. And so this makes national news. Um, this, you know, and people start to question the, the intention behind um, her game. And, you know, the fact that it is only for... Um, black people and you know so of course fun white people not really crazy about that and it it starts to ask a lot of questions and she is struggling with what to do because she feels somewhat responsible because it's her game but she doesn't want to like announce that she's the creator um and bring all that scrutiny to her because again she's just in high school (laughs) but um it was a really it was a really well done book. I obviously, as someone who loves Ready Player One, I love Warcross. I love anything in sort of a virtual gaming world. And um, with Slay, it it creates that world and presents it 
asking questions that I hadn't really seen other ones do and questions that are still necessary now with, you know, everything going on. Um, and so that's out now. That's not, that's been out, um, I think for a year or two. So. Um, speaking of kind of worlds, virtual worlds, said I do think that's another one of our, um, Mallory from Reading Glasses sent a message in their Slack channel that we're both a part mm -hmm. of directly to, to the two of us and Bria about how we're pretty sure one of our like one of the things that aligns all of our wheelhouses that we all love is like gothic haunted house type of a thing and I think mm -hmm. it's another thing that aligns your and I wheelhouse type of a situation is like virtual games that people can mm -hmm. go be a part of and so um what I'm listening to right now as an audiobook is a beautifully foolish endeavor which is the second carl's book by hank green um he was on the podcast like two years ago for the first book which was an absolutely remarkable thing i believe it's called and that one is all about these this like robot alien things come to earth and they present everyone with this dream that everyone keeps having like people all around the world keep having the same dream at the same time and figuring out all these different puzzles and like creating this online community to figure out what's going on. Um, and so this second book, A Beautifully Foolish Endeavor, continues the story, but the um, one of the supposed like villains of the first one has created this world, or this company rather, that enables people to go into a virtual world and build their own space and their own experiences and like share anything that they build with the other people. And then it's like building this collective knowledge where say, for example, I wanted to know what it was like to be Jill writing her memoir. I could like access your memory of doing that while I'm in this world as me. And then I would have an understanding of how you felt while you were doing that. And then I would like retain that knowledge. And so as you can imagine, being able to go in and basically take people's knowledge creates a lot of problematic things but at the same time in this book there's still questions about what's going on with the aliens like it's almost like hey remember there were also aliens here like we should probably address that because now they're gone and like are they still here and all these interesting things and it's a very high science fiction piece of work and I don't know that I would ever like I wouldn't normally read really really high science fiction because I think I, like I'm not it's a little bit above me sometimes, but Hank Green is just such a good writer that it's extremely approachable. And he puts in tons of fun pop culture references. And in the first book, um, one of the things that would happen is for whatever reason, the Carls, which is like the alien robot, loves pop music. And so like randomly there would just be like, don't stop me now by Queen is playing. And anytime that would happen, you would know that there was something about to happen with the aliens. And that continues in the second book where like, randomly there'll just be a Britney Spears song playing and then they'll like know that that's something to do with the aliens. It's just, it's very fun. So um, yeah, I am about two thirds of the way through it and it's just, it's very, very enjoyable. So that's a beautifully foolish endeavor, which is the second Carl's book by Hank Green. My next one, which might go down as my um, favorite book of uh, the year is Mexican Gothic by uh, Silvia Moreno Garcia. Y'all this book is amazing if you've not read Mexican Gothic yet. It is so good. I, I'm not quite sure. So it's, you know, it takes like Gothic fiction things like Daphne du Maurier. Um, there was a little bit of Get Out, the movie happening in there. There's some like Lovecraft Country. Um, 
happening as well with the big house run by, you know, questionable shady white people. So this is about um, Nomi. She, um, she is Mexican. It takes place, I think, in the 1950s. And um, her cousin has uh, married an Englishman. And she gets this letter from her cousin that concerned her. And um, so she heads to um, this big mansion high place where um, her cousin lives with the um, with her English husband and then her English husband's family. And let's just say things are weird. Okay. I don't, I really don't want to talk too much about this because you I feel like you should go in not knowing much, but I think the comps that I just gave you <laughs> gives you enough to sort of, it's like, it's very atmospheric. Um, and uh, you know, again, it, it, there's a lot of like race related things, um, but it is so good. And even if you like think you know what is going on, there are still parts where I'm just like, oh, 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 okay. Oh, oh we're, we're going there. Okay, that's fine. Um, in, in a good way. I mean, that in a good way. Um, it was so good. It was so good. It was just, it was delightful. Um, so yes, read Mexican Gothic. And I, I do think it will, it, like, I feel this way, like how I felt about Daisy Jones last year. Like, it's going to take a really special book to top this. And I don't necessarily see that happening in the next four months. So. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've convinced me because you're like the third or fourth person I've heard, like, absolutely raving about Mexican Gothic. I remember our coworker, Kristen, had an arc of it. And she talked about it, like, last year, maybe? I don't remember because it feels so long ago, but, um, like a month ago, who knows? No, it was definitely like a while ago. We could probably go back through our archive, like our old episodes and look, but she mentioned it and I was like, Oh, that sounds delightful. Um, and it, yeah, I, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, it was just so good. Um, okay, so my next one, I talked about it in August. I basically shouted about it in August, but I read it now, and I'm here to tell you it's as good as I hoped it was being. Clown in the Cornfield by Adam Caesar. It's so good. It's a, like, perfect, it's a perfect, like, teen slasher movie turned into a book. It's, and also, it's becoming a movie, which, reading it, makes perfect sense, because the villain, the, you know, the killer in this is a creepy old clown, which, is just like it's just perfect but this girl moves to a city and won't spend a lot of time because i like literally shouted about it for august um this girl and her dad moved to a new like small small town she's from philadelphia and she moves to this small town in i want to say alabama or missouri um, i'm not remembering now in the south um her dad becomes the uh like the doctor like the town doctor and gets a really good deal on this house and all these things and she joins this group of friends who are going to a party that night and there's stuff that happens where basically like the older generation of the town hates the younger generation and there used to be this corn syrup factory there that is now shut down the corn syrup factories um like mascot is this creepy clown named friendo and the kids go to this uh party out in the cornfields and sure enough friend of the clown starts murdering them and it's just it's amazing it's so good you kind of uh, adam caesar is a 
like if you he has a YouTube channel that's really amazing where he'll do a bunch of movie recommend like horror movie recommendations and then books based off those movies if you like them and you can tell that he is an incredible like lover of horror because you think you figured out who the villain is in this like pretty quickly and you're like oh I get what's going on and then it completely takes a left turn and then it takes another left turn and then you're like wait maybe I was right at the beginning and it's just like there's he does such a good job with it and I can't wait for it to become a movie but Clown in a Cornfield is everything I was hoping it would be so if you heard the August one and you're like really Clown in a Cornfield yes go read Clown in a Cornfield I'm just trying to say Clown in a Cornfield as many times in a podcast as I can this year I think I'm doing um, so right now I am currently reading, this is an advanced copy. It comes out in October though, so you don't have to wait too long. Um, but the title is Shit Actually by Lindy West. And <laughs> the title is a play on love actually. Um, and this is a book of Lindy West movie reviews. Oh my not just, God. Not just movie reviews. It's movies where, um, she had a column I'm, I'm trying to look up where because I don't specifically remember. I don't want to tell you the wrong place. Um, she had a column on uh, Jezebel where she would um, watch movies she had not seen in a while. So it's basically like re-watching movies and writing reviews. And she hates love, actually. And that became one that, um, the like a column that gained a lot of traction. It came out seven years ago and still is like every year gets circulated again <laughs> and so she now has um this book of similar things where she goes back and, and re-watches movies and and writes about them some of them are ones that had been previous columns of hers some of them are ones that um uh, are new and like Lindy West, she's hilarious. If you've read her other memoirs, you know she's really funny. But you know the topics she she has discussed in previous memoirs themselves are not really comedic topics, right? Uh -huh. She's still funny. And then you have something like this, where it's just her riffing on movies is hilarious i'm not one who laughs out loud literally very often i've laughed out loud so much reading this book from the dedication she dedicates it this is about this might be my favorite part of the book the book is dedicated to dr richard kimball which if you are a harrison oh ford fan my god is his character from the fugitive um and the first thing the first essay review type thing is about the fugitive and she positions The Fugitive as the best movie of all time. And so every other review in the book is compared to The Fugitive in some way. It's like, I have to, I have to figure out. So at the end of every, <laughs> at the end of every um, section on a movie, it's like six out of ten fugitives or something like that. So like, <laughs> everything, <laughs> everything is compared to the fugitive it it is it is it is i it's just hilarious and um i love everything about it and i yeah it's it's and it's one of those books where just with all, everything happening in the world right now mm -hmm. being able to read a book about movies as someone who loves movies and like reading this i was like i've not watched the fugitive in a really long time I'm, i need to rewatch it and i did and so um 
like it's this very lighthearted delightful and she and the thing is she finished writing it during covid and so she sort of references that a couple of times um in somewhat hysterical ways um which again given the topic is it, she works it in the way that she does but it's it's so good so if you if you are in need of some lighthearted whatever um lindy west's shit actually comes out next month <laughs> have you read movies and other things by shea serrano no okay so shea serrano writes for the ringer and he i don't think he's done, done any of the oral histories which i know is a thing we both love that the ringer does God, but, i love the ringer's oral histories yeah so he his first book that he that he did was the rap uh the rap your book which was like the most important <laughs> Uh, rap album of every year and then he did one called basketball and other things where he would have absurd questions like can could kobe bryant beat seven small kobe bryants in a game of basketball like so he just took that and extended it to its movies and other things and like the whole crux of the way that shea serrano writes is he basically writes essays defined for people who are having an argument in a bar with a friend like like you, you talking about how Lindy said like <laughs> the future is the greatest movie in the world. Mm -hmm. Like he does stuff like that where he'll like talk about how John Wick might be the most beautiful movie ever shot. And then it'll just be like a five page essay about the importance of John Wick. And like, it's just, he's very, very funny. It's that this isn't the book I was going to talk about, but I think you would really like it. And also um, he works with this illustrator named Arturo Torres, who does all of the illustrations for everything Shay does. And they're just, truly delightful uh illustration so shay is wonderful he's also a really awesome person on twitter to follow like he does so much charity work and supportive things it's great um okay a book that i'm going to talk about which is coming out in early october as well and um the author is going to be on the podcast is the invisible life of Addie larue by v.e schwab um victoria has been on the podcast before and i feel safe talking about the book now because if this conversation which i have with her in next week is anything like the last one it's just going to be her and I talking about book recommendations and not talking about her book very much so I'm going to talk about her book now um not that she needs my publicity because she's Victoria Schwab so she's this will be a bestseller but that's okay anyway it's fantastic so there's this woman named Addie LaRue and in the early 1700s she lives in France and she has this moment of desperation because she doesn't want to get married and she's like adamant like I don't want to be married and her parents are forcing her to marry this guy who like, not, he's not even a bad guy. He's just like, she's not, she doesn't want to be married. She's like, this is not my, the life I want to live. And so she uh, had learned by this kind of like this old woman who lives in the woods who prays to old gods. It's not really said that she's like a witch, but that's like the implication. Um, she teaches Addie how to pray to old gods. And she always tells her like, never pray to the gods who answer after dark. And in this moment of panic, she basically prays to any god that will listen. And she makes this like Faustian bargain where she'll get to live forever and she'll be completely on her own and free of anyone who would ever want to like hold her down. But the exchange is that she's cursed to be forgotten by anyone she meets. So like as soon as someone walks away from her and closes a door or like walks away and stops looking at her and looks at her again, they don't remember who she is. She also is not able to say her own name. So she always has to like basically make up lies about herself as to who she is. Uh, she's immortal and she can't keep possessions. So like every day she kind of wakes up in a new place. And she's like, well, I guess we'll see where the day takes me. But because she can lie so easily, she learns over the years 
how to, you know, like feed herself and like she can't die. So like in theory, she could sleep out in the cold and like be freezing, but she's not going to actually pass away and like nothing really harms her, harms her, but she feels all the pain. But the book jumps back and forth from the early 1700s to modern day. And um, I don't, there's a spoil, there's a, there's a spoiler in the book description, which I don't love at the very end of it, which I'm not going to talk about. Um, but it's just so beautifully written. And it really did feel a lot like, like in quarantine in the sense where like a lot of times I'll be just sitting there and feeling like I'm not connecting with anyone because we're all via Zoom. And then it's like, you close the Zoom and I don't expect said person to think about me anymore. It's not, you know, and that's, that's how I kind of feel like this invisible life. Like it's, been like very very poignant actually while I'm reading it how the feelings of her being alone and sad and um, wishing she could make human connection and like knowing she's having a conversation with someone and, like she'll go on dates with someone several nights in a row and every night to that person is new but to her she's like I've already had these conversations and it just it's very very apropos and also it's, it's one of those books a lot like Homegoing or The Starless Sea where it feels like every page has a a quote that I want to like say, mm-hmm. put on my high school notebook of some sort. Um, so yeah, uh, Victoria, like I said, she'll be on the podcast in a couple weeks, but The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue is beautiful and you guys should all read it when it comes out. I have one more, um, which is also a book I'm in the middle of, and it is You Had Me at Ola by Alexis Daria. This is a romance set against a telenovela, um, which- Amazing. What, what more do you need? Um, yeah. yeah, so it's about uh, the the actress Jasmine, the actor Ashton. They are on this new um, telenovela. It's, well, yeah, it's a um, remake of a telenovela from Mexico, I think. And it's being filmed on um, America. Um, Ashton is a huge actor, um, in his home country and so he's you know coming here sort of and um he was a big fish in a little pond and now he's a little fish in a big pond as he describes it and then jasmine has been gaining traction in soap operas and so they're put on this um this telenovela together and what i love about it is that you know you it's 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 a romance. It goes, you know, you get sort of both of their perspectives about what is happening. And then it's intercut with scenes from the telenovela, like written out. <laughs> it's just hysterical. And so, <laughs> so, it, and the scenes within the telenovela sort of like fit what is happening in the real world or, you know, they, they describe, um, there's a, a part where, um, they're basically rehearsing their first kiss and, um, an intimacy coordinator is brought in to help them choreograph it, which I love. Um, and so you kind of get like their internal perspectives about wanting to pretend to kiss this person. They kind of sort of want to pre- kiss in real life, but they don't know if the other person wants to kiss them. And then you actually read the scene as it would appear in the telenovela TV show. And it's the whole thing is just, it's a delightful book. Mm-hmm. And um, I love everything about it. So that's, you had me at Ola. Also, that title is just fabulous. Um, all right, last one I'll mention briefly, and it, it's a, it's very, very, it's a bit of a more serious topic, but um, the author will be on the, the podcast in a couple weeks as well. It's called The Bridge by Bill uh, Konigsberg, and 
again, trigger warnings for this one for, um, for suicide, because what it is is the book starts with these two teenagers, one boy, one girl, on the Washington, George Washington Bridge in New York City, and they see each other from afar, and they're both there because they're contemplating suicide. And then what this, it talks about, the first few pages of the book talk about the first three minutes where they see each other and like it's in each of their heads momentarily saying like what's going on in their brain. And then what unfolds is four different stories. And each story is what would happen if the girl jumps and commits suicide is the first story and like how the boy reacts. And then, but you also get the story of all the people that are in the, the young girl's life as well. And then the second story is what would happen if the boy jumps and what happens to the girl's life and all the people in the boys, uh, the boys world as well. And then the last two stories are what would happen if they both jumped and what would happen if neither of them jumps. And it is, um, it's incredible. It's one of like the writing in it is so powerful and it's a really, really important book. Again, those are going to be on the podcast in a couple weeks and September and the book just came out yesterday on September 1st when we were recording this. So um, Tuesday when you hear it on Thursday, uh, it just came out and September is suicide prevention awareness month. And we'll talk about that in the episode, but um, yeah, it's just a really, it's a very emotional book. It's reminding me of when I read This Is Where It Ends uh, so many years ago by Marika. Like I'm having that same feeling of like really, really heavy. It's really hard to read, but it also has like moments of hope and, you know, it's not just all darkness. So uh, that's The Bridge by Bill Koenigsberg as well. Um, and from a happy standpoint, so that we don't end on that, um, again, go to professionalbooktins.com or our Instagram and check out the fall in love with reading bingo that, uh, that Joe made. And there's so much, when you sent this to me and you're like, how do these look? The stuff that you have on here is so delightful. Um, read a book with witches, read while drinking apple cider, uh, read a or book pumpkin spice, whatever you can yeah. have a pumpkin spice latte. I guess yeah. I should have put that, you know, I also giggled that you had, you have a book left over from your summer TBR and the word leftover reminded me of stuffing, which I think we talked about, but we didn't, uh, <laughs> did we not? Was that mm-hmm. how I'm talking about stuffing with someone else? Never mind. I love stuffing. Not me. Stuffing. Yeah. I just like came in on Monday and did this unprompted. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully it'll be a seasonal thing and we'll have more. Um, sure. If I was really ambitious, I think I told you this, if I was really ambitious, I'd have monthly, but I'm not that ambitious right now. Oh, we'll see so how hard. we'll see how 2021 looks there's so many squares in a bingo thing we there are a lot i mean i can make a smaller one but yeah that's, that's like a tic-tac-toe board oh <gasps> we could do m- i got another idea it's fine we'll, we're good fabulous um <laughs> okay are there i don't there's not any programs or anything i don't think is there anything else people should know about uh not at this time oh i don't think so okay all right well i hope you guys like this kind of you know all over a little bit of a grab bag episode of the professional book nerds podcast readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in marketplace professional book nerds is proud to be an evergreen podcast signature program to learn about other evergreen podcasts visit evergreenpodcasts.com our podcast is produced recorded and edited by adam sokol and jill grunewald and presented by overdrive For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Bonjour. This is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. I'm Andrew Pryor, and every week I bring you the wonderful and fabulous people involved in French food. 
whether they're here in France like me or from around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique. My guests are all about French food. So, come join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. Bon app!